Welcome everyone to Love My Sheep. We are continuing in season seven of sermons from Jacob Thomas. This sermon is the next sermon that was preached after the last one. Uh, it was preached on August 7th, 2005. And I know I had originally said these would be out of order, but he does reference uh, the last two sermons very briefly in this particular sermon titled, In the Beginning, God. May the Lord minister to your heart as you listen. And tonight as I stand here, uh, I stand without any notes to begin with. Usually, you know, the preachers make notes and most of the preachers will agree with me, the notes are there, but the words you speak are very different from the notes you prepared. So tonight I have this privilege that these are my brothers and sisters and a good summer Sunday night to open my heart before you. Preaching is a very essential part of Christian life. The word, you know, if you read uh, the church history from the book of Acts, we will see uh, when there was some kind of a problem in the church in Jerusalem. This was brought to the pastors and they said, okay, you appoint certain men filled with the Holy Spirit to solve those problems. The problem was there was racism in the first church. Uh, the Jewish widows were given more attention than the Greek widows. And so the Greeks said, what is this? You say we are all one in Christ and how come we have this problem? So now remember that when I say that, I have heard people saying, church, oh, I'm turned off with church. Church is so corrupted. You know, that I can understand. I'm not saying church is not corrupted. Church is corrupted. Church has been corrupted all along, right from the beginning. Then what institution is not corrupted? Is the place where you bank? <laughs> is the bank corrupted? Julia is smiling. So because the bank is corrupted, you are not going to put your money in there. No more investment with CIBC. They are so corrupted. Everywhere. You go to the hospitals. See, church, we all know, the called out one, the ecclesia, the church is not corrupted that is precious in the sight of God. 
And that church need to be reminded of the word all along. So tonight I'm not here to tell you something new that you haven't heard before. If at all if I'm standing here with the authority of the word of God, my only mission is to remind you to stir up your pure conscience. About what? About your God. About our God. No. Those who know me know that I'm not a perfectly healthy person. So, and especially my wife knows too much about me. And every now and then she asks me, how are you? Are you all right? And last night, in the middle of the night, she felt that I was groaning or whatever it is. Then she asked me, how are you? I told her, don't ask me that. That was just after I was thinking about my spiritual life. I was thinking, I am paying more attention to me and my well-being than I think about my God. I kind of feel that I serve the Lord so that I can be a better person, I can be a contented person, that I can go to bed and sleep, the Lord will provide me with this and that. I was kind of convicted of the fact that I'm becoming more and more selfish in my attitude, in my service to the Lord. I should be paying more attention to please my God. We have a, you know, we have a, a library of books which we call the Bible, the scripture. And our scripture, this Christian scripture begins with, in the beginning, what? In the beginning, God. That's how our, our book begins. Now, that is not to prove who created this world and how he created. That is not to argue against the theory of evolution or that's not to prove some scientific facts or anything. That is a theological statement. In the beginning, God. God began it, and if God began, he will end it. 
in the beginning god so our christian way of life is god has called us we need to be reminded of that and god has chosen us and then god has loved us i love to say and we love to sing i love you jesus i love you god and when we say that when we sing that when we think about it we have to realize back in our mind i love him because he loved me first we have to think we have to picture in our mind as these ladies sang so beautifully god orders the choir in the heavenly places to sing i love you my children we got to have our ears open to hear the heavenly chorus singing i love you and in when we sing i love you mostly it ended up in words we feel good we want to mean it that's my i'm talking about me okay and there are time most of the time i pray lord may the holy spirit help me to mean what i say what i say we are human beings when we say we love you that's what we want to but when we go out from this beautiful spiritual atmosphere there are things out there as we heard about joseph that tells us come alive with me but when god says i love you he has proved it he proves it every day in our lives and he has proven it in history you know god loved adam and eve adam and eve fell and the generation up to noah they were wicked people in their imagination god created them for his glory but all their imagination were wicked finally god had to destroy mankind noah the righteous man and the eight members of his family were saved god's love god in destroy them utterly and after he destroyed he said i will not destroy mankind any more by flood and he gave them a rainbow it's a repetition for those who were in the bible study on wednesday nights god gave them 
I will show you a sign. I'll put a bow, a rainbow, with all beautiful colors. When do we see the rainbow? If you want to see the rainbow, you've got to drive all the way to Niagara Falls. You'll see a rainbow all the time when the sun shines. When the sun shines through those troubled waters, God's promises. Here is the rainbow. You are going through afflictions and trials. Pain, loneliness, slander, misunderstanding, and all kinds of things. But child of God, when you go through that, I will put a rainbow in the sky. What a beautiful scene. What a beautiful God we have. You know... To see the rainbow, it has to rain or it has to be cloudy. The atmosphere has to be different. On a clear day like today, you are not going to see the rainbow. Isn't it wonderful? Is it anyone who doesn't appreciate the beauty of that bow that is turned down with no arrow in it to shoot at anyone or anything? Peaceful rainbow. That's our God. That's where we see his love. His love is forever. Now, Noah's time Eight, you know, then afterwards, what this righteous man did, you know, he got drunk. What a, what a trouble the fermented wine brings to people. Families destroyed, innocents, children were subjected to curse. And then generation after generation, and we learned about Joseph a couple of Sunday nights ago, and then an Elijah. Now God raises people. Now our sister Marlene is going to Zambia. God raised her. Everyone here Every single soul here, the Lord has raised you up for a unique work that only you can do. Not everyone is called to go to Zambia. Not everyone is called to preach. Not everyone is called to preach, teach Sunday school. But every single, every individual each one of us are called to do a service that only you can do. That is, again, God's love. And that's our God. You heard this morning, God cannot do anything without human arms. 
That's the beauty of our God. That's the beauty of the God of Israel. That's why he's a holy God. When we say holy, even today we heard just minutes ago, the holiness of God. What does it mean as Christians we should sit down and think, what does it mean our God is a holy God? He is different from all other gods. He's separated from all other beings. He dwells in a holy place. That means not anyone can walk into his presence. He is a holy God. He is different. Like I said before once, you know, that was the biggest problem Martin Luther had against his opponents. He said, you think God is a man. God is not. He is holy. He doesn't think like we do. He doesn't act like we do. He's altogether different. His ways are different. And that every child of God should know. You know why? When we pray, we go to God with our hang-ups. This is the way the Lord has to do this thing for me. My problem is this and I know how it can be solved and I want God to be solved in the way that I want it solved. But our God is a holy God. He doesn't work in the way we think. He's far above us. His ways are different. His solutions are different. He's a holy God. Now, as the time passed, you heard this morning, God sent Jesus. And he set his face toward Jerusalem. I must go to Jerusalem. Why? I must offer myself as a living sacrifice. That's the love. I have to redeem this fallen race. There's only one way that I have to become a sacrifice. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He shed his blood. And that's why we are here. I look at you and I know almost all of you, you know, you are saved. You're saved. Washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again, to remind you, saved. We say, I'm saved. We ask the people, are you saved? We got to think, saved from what? What are we saved from? Saved from the wrath of God. You know, again, we think, oh, I'm saved from my addiction. No, I'm saved from cancer. I had cancer, the Lord healed me. Good. No doubt about it. That's not what your salvation is. Oh, I was an alcoholic. I'm saved from that. 
Oh, I had this bad temper. I'm saved from that. Yes, sure. But you cannot say you are saved because of that. You and I say we are saved because we are saved from the wrath of God. We were marching towards hell without Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ saved us through his blood. And as I was thinking about tonight, suddenly what came to my mind was Acts chapter 16. That's where I mentioned a little bit of it last Sunday night. You know, Paul and Silas, along with Timothy, you know, whose mother was Jewish and father Greek, a young man. And they had good ministry going on. People were getting saved in leaps and bounds. Church was growing. And then all on a sudden the Holy Spirit tells them they wanted to go to, you know, Acts chapter 16, 6. They've they gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Can you imagine that? They knew for sure if they go to Asia, there are souls going to be saved. The church is going to be planted. But the Holy Spirit forbid them. Now Christian, young Christian, older Christian, some Time. There are times, not always, there are times the Lord tells you, don't. Remember Elijah's history? God told him, go and hide. At times in our lives, God wants us to hide from everything. Go to this little brook where no one will know you are there. But then you say, now how can it be? I am a prophet. I was just called to preach. And people listen to me. Now Holy Spirit is telling me, go and hide. You know, there are times in our lives that we have to take a break. The Lord wants us to go and hide. God wants them, Holy Spirit forbidden them to go to Asia. And then we read, you know, I don't have time to read all that. Then they come to a place called Philippi. Now that's where Luke is from. His hometown. First time. The gospel reached in Europe. Paul goes there along with Silas. You know the famous Macedonian call? Another lesson to learn. Paul saw the vision. 
man from Macedonia comes and tells him, come, come to Macedonia. Don't go to Asia. Holy Spirit tells him, go to Macedonia. Now, I like that. And Paul, a man who didn't want to disobey the vision that the Lord gave him, tells Silas. What I like is the attitude of Silas. When Paul told him, Silas says, Yes, Pastor Paul, if that's what the Holy Spirit tells you, I will go with you. That's what the modern Christianity has to learn to obey the leadership. God didn't give that vision to Silas. God gave it to Paul. But Silas had the fear of God to listen to Paul and follow him wherever he went. No, Christianity, we often say, is not a religion that is true. But we've got to remember Christianity is an organization. Otherwise, it cannot go on. When I say an organization, we don't have a pope in Rome. We don't have a chief pastor in the headquarters of PAOC to tell us do this and don't do that. That's not what I mean. But we have spiritual leadership. No group of people can survive without a leader. That is the law of nature. Those who know about the bee, the swarm of bees, they follow the queen. Even the animal world. You know, we got to realize that. Paul had the vision, and Silas says, We will go. And as it was their practice to go to the synagogue, that's where the godly people are, that's where the people who understand the scripture. See, that's another thing. Jesus Christ cannot be made known outside the scripture. Cross doesn't mean anything for those people who don't know the Old Testament. We just cannot preach Jesus without letting them know the scripture. That's what happened in Luke chapter 24. The disciples were going from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. They have seen Jesus. They ate the bread and the fish that he made. They saw the miracles Jesus performed. And they saw, they thought, here was the man, our Messiah. But then again, they're thinking. In their human thinking, this man, Jesus, 
could have been the ruler of Israel to drive out the Romans from their homeland. But it didn't work like that. They saw him crucified right before their eyes. Then they said, now what can we do? And they were walking, desperate, heads hanging down, no more hope. We thought he would restore. Home and read Luke chapter 24. And then this man came and walked with them. The interesting thing what we got to know, Jesus explained to them beginning from Moses and the prophets. That's how Jesus is explained from the scripture. Well, that's why wherever Paul went, he wanted to see people who know the scripture, who knew what was to be fulfilled according to the scripture. They went, you know the story, in Acts chapter 16, and they found there were some godly women. A lady by name Lydia, a businesswoman. Maybe a Martha Stewart of those days, making purple, fashionable clothes. But she had sense to know God, to worship God. They didn't have a synagogue. Now, I can relate to that. They, you know, when I read that, I know, I, I, I can see. When I became a Christian, you know, I was traveling in different parts of India, and sometimes no church, no Christians, nothing. And I spent a lot of my beginning of my Christian life, you know, under the trees, reading the word, and you know, now you know why I don't sing. I used to read the hymn books, okay? And so I can relate to that very much. Here by the river, under the tree, these ladies, were worshiping God, and Pastor Paul goes there and tells them about Jesus Christ. You know, the story is Lydia, the first European Christian. He accept, she accepted the Lord. Then she tells them, can't you come you know, when you read that, you know, in the old translation, she constrained them. She forced them. She begged them, come and abide with us. Stay in my house. See, Canadian culture, that's very hard to understand. Okay. Canadian culture is, if you are in the neighborhood, drop in and wish that he doesn't drop in when I watch my favorite show. But this is different here. Okay. Now if you think me as a Christian, come and live in my house. Use the bedroom you want. 
Do whatever you want. Feel at home. If you consider me. See, this is what Christian life is. When you invite, invite Jesus Christ into your heart, you give him all the freedom. My heart, my life is yours. You do what you want to do. You sleep when you want to sleep, wake up when you want to wake up. It's yours. Put your feet up and relax. That's what Lydia told them. And they were happy. He went there. You know, as we read uh, in 16th chapter, many things, you, many, many things you see there, you know. And then, Christian life is never, never, never an easy life. Okay? The Lord has never promised us a smooth sailing. Well, you know, some people have this idea, once Jesus is in the boat and everything is going to be okay. <laughs> it's not. Because we are not of this world. Yes, everything is going to be okay. That's the peace of God in your heart. Okay. Now, you know, as they were going, this woman was possessed with evil spirit. And she goes and tell, now these are the men of God, listen to them. You know. And Paul wasn't very happy. He could have said, yeah, she's, she's saying the right thing. She's not saying anything against us. Paul rebuked her and commanded the evil spirit to get out of her. And her owner, the master, somebody owned her, see, and he was making a lot of money. And now his income is lost. Now they say, now here is the people you know, they brought them to the magistrate and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up to gather against them, and you know the story, they were put in jail. Jail, it's, you're not talking about Canadian prison here. Okay. It's a tangent hole. They do everything there. It smells. And their feet were in the stock. And they were beaten. Blood is oozing from their back and everywhere. In the middle of the night, Paul is complaining to Silas. Oh my, we could have gone to Asia. Did I see a vision really? He didn't say that. Okay. He was not a modern person to think like that. 
You know what they did? You know, they praised the Lord that they were counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. That is called the fellowship in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you, you are made more like your master. The suffering. And they sang. And then there was an earthquake. Paul and Silas, out of their stock, they are free to walk. But you know, there was one man in that jail who wasn't free to walk. Who was that? The jailer. He didn't know what to do. Now he is the actual prisoner now. What can I do? The gates are open. The only thing now I can do is kill myself. And then again, the love of God. Do not do any harm to yourself. We are all here. And he preached him the gospel, the love of God. And he and his family accepted the Lord. And they were all baptized. Oh, that's the key. You know, when we read that to us, and a cursive reading, they got saved and they were baptized. That's the right thing to do. Got to realize it's much more than that. The jailer, he was not only saved, he showed the world that I am dead with Christ. I go under the water. I am buried with Christ. According to Romans chapter 6. Now I will rise to walk with Christ in the newness of life. You know, I can go on and on, but it's time to stop in a uh, beautiful hot evening like this. But the thing is, why? Why do I say all these things? We, you and I, have to realize this life of ours, the Holy Spirit has taken control of it. And again, most of us here are baptized. We are dead buried with Christ. Now we are risen with Christ and we walk in the newness of life. And you know what? The beautiful thing about it is in the newness of this life we have the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. And that power can take us to Zambia or Jerusalem or wherever he wants. As long as 
we say it is not my power but it is thine O Lord so the conclusion of all this is I mean if you forget everything I have said in nutshell in the beginning God and God has chosen you and in these days in which we live in we got to realize that we are living in a time in history where there is no fear of God there is no fear of God out there there is no fear of God in the families there's no fear of god in the individual hearts and when we have no fear we have no discipline you know it was all 50 years ago 52 years ago to be exact that i got saved and baptized and accepted the pentecostal doctrine the one visible difference i see in the church of those days and today is lack of discipline as a young man when i went to church i was many times scared fearful the little lie i said the holy spirit might reveal to someone and i will be in trouble you go to church the fear not afraid the fear is not being afraid fear is the reverence with that reverence the discipline comes now what happens is see whether we like it or not everyone want to be disciplined discipline is a necessity for the survival okay in the families schools workplace church everywhere discipline is essentially a vital part of our life now what happens is because we are not disciplined because we don't want to be disciplined we tell our legislators the politicians in ottawa or in queens park to make the law for us so that we can be disciplined we don't have to tell anyone 
what we need again the fear of god when we have that fear of god we will live a disciplined life a disciplined life is pleasing to our father the parents here know that when your children are disciplined when your children recognize your authority at home your heart is pleased that's the same with our heavenly father he loves to see us disciplined recognizing his authority in our life in the beginning god may we learn to live for him rather than for us you know the beautiful thing the spiritual truth is when we want, when we please him he will take care of the rest seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you shall we pray thank you for joining us until next time know that i love you and the lord loves you the most